All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! This show show explores television content that's been available for consumption for quite some time. If a spoiler or two slips into the conversation, well, you were warned. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. That's true. Okay, now you've made fun of two of my shirts. <laughs> I'm too for two In 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's so rare that I would ever make a commentary on anything anyone was wearing. But well, and like earlier today, it, you were wearing a blue polo, and now you're wearing a magenta shirt. So there's nothing. Your shirts are just innocuous. I don't have a whole lot of defense. <laughs> you know what? I was editing um, episode four at the beginning of this week, and then it, I mean, we're recording this much before um, they get... I think there's 10 days between when we record them and when they actually appear on uh, on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really found myself, uh, <laughs> this is such a bad thing that I do, but the number of times I say, oh yeah, I don't really watch that. <laughs> on a tele- on a television <laughs> podcast, like any any time we Never like seen it, like like ninety percent of the shows that come up on this show show podcast, I'm like, I never really felt that connected to that show. <laughs> <laughs> I maybe maybe I'm you know I brought up the Americans a few episodes ago before we watched the pilot episode. And yeah. They were like, oh yeah, I haven't seen that yet. I don't think that's uncommon. Well, that and like we don't claim to be authorities on on television. We're just talking about the stuff we watch and maybe would or wouldn't watch. Yeah, and this is the stuff we would talk about anyway. We're just now recording it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm kind of excited for this week because the last couple of weeks we've we've had at least one of two shows as our point of focus mm-hmm. be like really heavy and intense. Yes. And both of our shows today are so frivolous. Yes. And uh, I'm excited about that. Now, now they're an obvious pairing. One of them would be argued by many to be in the top three situation comedies of all time. I think a lot of people have named it the top show of all time. Maybe. Yeah, I, I looked at, at, at a lot of its cred, what it's been called. I think Hollywood Reporter or Variety called it the best show of all time. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, not The Hollywood Reporter because I know that they called Friends the best show of all right, time. Right, 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 right. Um, we're not talking about Friends today. That'll come down the road. But a show, I mean, that is comparable to Friends in that it was about a group of... 20 to 30 somethings living in New York City and having relationships in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about Seinfeld. Yes. How cl- how close do you feel to Seinfeld? Because I was never that connected to it. Oh, really? <laughs> actually. Oh, yeah. No, I I've I think I've seen every single episode. To be clear, I mean I've probably seen at least half the Seinfelds. Right. I just never like I'm never passionate about it. Right. And it, there's something about Seinfeld that it's it's like The Simpsons in that you could just be having a conversation about anything with somebody and somebody's gonna go, oh, it's like that time George did the blah 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 blah. Right. You know how exactly. there's like you know how there's a Simpsons quote for anything. Sure. Yep. Same thing can be can be applied to the to the Seinfeld concept. Mm-hmm. So because it's like culturally ubiquitous for our generation and Definitely. every other generation. Yeah, but I for whatever reason like I never quite reached that that connection with it. I think I think I've seen every episode, but I've seen them like in repeats. Sure. So I don't know if I'm just seeing certain shows that were being syndicated out of each season, or if I've actually seen them all. Yeah, you didn't watch it when it was on, like when it was new. No, no, I was pretty young at right. that point, like still elementary school. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, there's truth to that because it's always going to be on. Yeah, and that has contributed to a net worth of eight hundred million dollars for Jerry Seinfeld. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. Isn't that incredible? Did Did we ever have the conversation about who the richest person from that show was? Well, maybe not, but 
I, I mean, I know that, that Julia Louis-Dreyfus is an heiress. Yes. But I don't know that she is worth that money yet on her own. Oh, no. And I think she has a brother that she's going to have to split this fortune with. But what's the deal with her father, um, Mr. What Dreyfus? did he do? Should we look it up? Yeah. Gerard Louis-Dreyfus is a French-born American businessman with a net worth of $3.4 billion as per Ford exactly 10 years ago. He's the chairman of the Louis-Dreyfus Energy Services Committee uh, and the great-grandson of Leopold Louis-Dreyfus. Anybody with the name Leopold is guaranteed to have at least a B. You're going to have some some bucks there. He's definitely part of the, the three-comma club. The three-comma club. <laughs> Do you want... Are you in Silicon Valley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I haven't seen, like, I think I saw the first one of this current season. Okay. But I'm just going to wait until it's all done, and then yeah. I'll binge it. But That's I, I, great. I love it. I, I do love it, too, except somebody at work was saying recently that they're starting to get a little bit too cyclical in their yeah. format. It might have been me. Yeah, I think you and, and, and Bobby were probably kind of agreeing Yeah, on it. we were kind of thinking, like, ah, there needs to be a year that they just really make it big. Because every time they get really close and you think, like, finally they're going to have made it, I know. like, the worst possible thing happens. Right. But they keep on chugging along. You're right. right. They need to have, they need to make, like, $50 million. Right. We need to have a season where... Where they're all just rich. Where they're balling. And then yeah. they can lose it. Yeah, sure. That, that was kind of the great thing about Seinfeld, wasn't it? Like, you never had any hopes... For what was going to happen. I think it's so great that they introduce Elaine on the show and nothing ever happens with her and Jerry because she comes in as the ex-girlfriend of Jerry. Well, I know. And I noticed when I watched the pilot today that she wasn't in it. She wasn't in it at all. No. So it must have been the network afterwards. Yeah. It was also called the Seinfeld Chronicles. Well, which I thought was really funny. Was the series called the Seinfeld Chronicles? No. They changed it? Oh, yeah. It was just that was just the pilot. The pilot was called The Seinfeld Chronicles, but I, I was under the impression that the show was going to be called The Seinfeld Chronicles. And then they were like, no, that's stupid. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's originally what they like had in mind to call it. You, you're probably right, though. It. NBC probably said, we need a woman on yeah. the show mm-hmm. to call you guys on your shit. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if this is going to be a show that leans so heavily on the very rich comedic area, especially in the 90s, of, hey, what are the, the behavioral differences between men and women? Right. You need to have a woman who can defend the other side. Yes. And they, I mean, they cast it very well. Fortune, no fortune. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is one of the funniest people in TV history. Yeah. She is so fucking funny. She's great. Um, But I was under the impression that they date at the beginning and then they break up and she stays in the show. No, they the dating was already history. The, the dating is like history okay. in the first episode that she comes in. And were they like in love? Did they have like quite an affair or was it just like an awkward thing where they went on a couple dates and they never really say anything They okay. they, they do kind of mention afterward like, oh, is it going to be weird if Lane's in this? Like, so there's like him bringing dates around in a couple episodes and there, I think there's kind of a little bit of talk, if not, maybe just one episode. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's just a regular part of the cast. I, I, I mean, I noticed certainly that, that she wasn't in the show obviously she's somebody who she has had an impressive television career she has gone from one thing to the next and all of them have been like critically acclaimed right she went right to old christine right after is is that was that really critically yes yes oh yeah and like honestly it was pretty funny like the 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 concept the premise was like a little ridiculous it was a little forced what was the premise of that show the premise was she's like a a divorcee and she has this this son Mm -hmm. who she shares with this man who's like a a, a good guy clark Gregg. okay he's they like have a good friendship like in in spite of their contentious history Mm 
Um, but she's kind of like dealing with the the prospects of being a single middle-aged woman again. And that's kind of like the premise of the show. And Wanda Sykes is her sassy friend. And, right. Um, but the title, The New Adventures of Old Christine, comes from the fact that her ex-husband is now married to another woman named Christine. Oh. Who's younger and hotter than her. Oh, so they okay. call her New Christine, which makes Julia Louis-Dreyfus Old Christine. Oh, okay. So yeah, it is. Makes it it is. It is. It's a funny. It's a funny concept, and it probably was on plenty long, if not longer than it needed to be. Right. But now she's on friggin' Veep. Yeah. And that wins everything. Killing it. Yes. Besides Jerry, who just kind of said, "I'm gonna do what I want. I'll do comedians and cars getting coffee and B movie." Yeah. Um, <laughs> B movie. Yeah. B movie has found like a new kind of. Uh, cult acclaim on like chat boards and really and Reddit circles and everything. Nice. Like, like I haven't the way- seen it. I don't know if I've seen it either. I might have seen it, but right. but I don't know anything about it. I should uh, I should watch it. Yeah, he he just says whatever. None of the other guys. Like I'd love to see Jason Alexander really kill. Well, I guess. Well, no, Larry David was never really on the show. He, was he ever on the show? He was. Yeah. He was. He never sp- like he was the voice of uh, of of Steinbrenner. Who is? Who is uh, the owner of the Yankees? Who George works for? Really? Yeah. So I was like, George. There is that that really corny angle they always t- yeah. take where where his boss is talking to him. It's almost like Charlie Brown when the adults are talking. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So he's the voice, and there's also another episode, yeah, where he was a man in a cape who was friends with George's dad. Oh my god. <laughs> and they're like the man in the cape, like they're constantly <laughs> referencing the man in the cape, and it's just Larry David. So you were gonna say that that uh, the other two haven't necessarily gone on to do a whole lot. Jason Alexander hasn't. Again, he probably he doesn't have Jerry money, but I mean he's he's probably okay to he's, sit back. He's fine, and I think he's probably doing. He was he was a big theater guy. Yeah. So I'm yeah. sure he's probably doing stuff there. I remember hearing about that. I think he was on Stern. He was like a, a Juilliard trained actor or something. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then of course, I mean. My, who knows? Michael, Michael Richards. Richards could have had yeah, a career beyond the show. I often wonder, like, what might have happened there. And it was kind of awkward for me watching comedians and cars getting coffee with him on it. Yeah, because you want to root for him, but you're also like, I don't know, man. Like, you I, made such a bad mistake. I know, like the ultimate bad mistake. And I mean, like, the thing that I think is easy for us to forget because, like, we weren't as tapped into it then is that Michael Richards was never a stand-up comedian. Right. Like he was this he was this guy who was born to play a character. Right. There, there's there happens to have been a character that was written that there's nobody in the world who could have played it so better than him. For him. Yeah. Um or at least he 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 had a character ready that suited an archetype that was that was opening up. Right. And so that made his career and I understand that he wanted to be able to move on to another thing and find another place to take his his physical uh performance artistry. Whether it was stand up or not, I don't know, but like he was so new that I mean he 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 tried to improvise and yeah. we saw <laughs> what was either a true color of Michael Richards or something that certainly wasn't, but it still came off as one. Right. I, rem- I remember I remember when uh, that went down. Jerry was a guest on Letterman yeah. a few nights later. Yeah. You remember this? Yep. And and Jerry was like very cordial and, and, and magnanimous. And he, they, they tapped in Michael Richards on like satellite. Do you remember yeah. this? They had him like on a big camera screen. And yep. the idea was that Michael Richards would, would apologize to the crowd and say what he was truly in his heart and how he felt terrible for, for what happened. And he would say stuff and the audience would laugh. 
Like it was like his, right. his apology and he wasn't joking. It couldn't be taken as sincere, right? And uh, and this was before YouTube was circulating stuff like yeah. crazy. And and Jerry would like jump in and be like, "Don't laugh. He's trying to apologize." Right. It was really awkward. Yeah, yeah. That was it's. I mean, it it would be hard to do that. And that's a taped show. Yeah. So that's about as awkward as I mean. Imagine what they might have cut out of it. Well, and this was this was during. The end of the days where Dave would give you a really hard time if you deserved it. Right. Like, he kind of stopped doing that once he had Harry and he got a little bit softer. But, like, in his heyday, which this was also post, but nevertheless, Dave, like, didn't let you off the hook for stuff if you fucked up. Yeah, Uh, so who knows what would have become of of Michael Richards. But, yeah, that Comedians in Cars was was really awkward. Yeah. Because they bring it up and everything. Well, and Jerry's just, like... Jerry's so on his side, like, dude, I want you to just, I know you're sorry. I know that like, I can't imagine how this affected you. I want you to use your craft again. And Michael Richards is kind of like, yeah, well, I, you know, I don't even think I deserve it. Like, right. Like he's feeling guilt about it still. Well, he knows what it, what it feels like now to go out into the world. And they're probably, because that incident is so infamous. Yeah. It probably still happens at least once a week. Somebody will will reference that to him. Oh God, yeah, you're so right. Don't you think like just out I can't like, imagine. Just like out on, on New York streets or in LA or wherever he lives, somebody must at the very least give him a dirty look. Oh God. Or I would straight up like better call Saul, move to Delaware. Right. And just like change my name. <laughs> right. You know, no it's way. that's that's really quite the and like I said, that was before YouTube kept stuff forever. Not that we couldn't look up that video and watch it right now, because we could. Right. But that was like right at the beginning of the concept of internet virality Mm -hmm. really ruining a reputation yeah i wonder how seinfeld would have went in an era of internet virality well there is there is that twitter yes seinfeld today or yeah seinfeld of the present or whatever it's called Uh, that's awesome i don't remember who runs that but they were a guest on on Pete Holmes, you made it weird once. Well, they're not like famous, are they? Yeah, or... no, they're. Well, I mean, I don't know about famous. They're like a comedian, but though? they're like they're like a B or C rate comedian. Oh no who way! I was just like listening to a podcast with one day, and 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 they said, and I also am. I I write and run that Twitter, and Pete was like, "What? That's so cool!" Oh, because like everybody really, knows really that awesome. Twitter account. Yeah. Speaking of Curb Your Enthusiasm, I didn't see the reunion episode. Yeah. Or the reunion season. I need to like go back and watch all of that. We weren't speaking of Curb Your Enthusiasm. We weren't. But we can. Sorry, speaking of Seinfeld and <laughs> a show we're going to talk about, which I just completely fucking... That's okay. Segways happen naturally. Did. The other show that, that seems like the most obvious one to talk about is Curb Your Enthusiasm. I was thinking, because Jerry Seinfeld is playing a version of himself... In, a virgin? A version of himself oh, okay. <laughs> in the Seinfeld show. And, mm-hmm. and that's true, isn't it? I yeah. Mean, he's playing comedian in New York, but just maybe not as famous of one. Oh, yeah, he's kind of... Louis C.K., I think, took a page out of his book a little bit because yeah. he's a regular comedian goes getting on a steady Carson. paycheck. Yeah. Yeah, going on Carson and Letterman, but not he's not world famous. He's not getting stopped in the street. Right, so it, it, it did cross over then at some point in the run of Seinfeld's success as a TV show because eventually he became more famous than the character, but they couldn't make oh. that happen in the show. Oh, no, no, yeah. And Larry David plays a version of himself in Curb Your Enthusiasm, the version of the character, um, the guy who co-created Seinfeld and now has this es- like esteemed reputation yes. and money yes. and success, but he's obviously an inflated curmudgeon. 
mm-hmm. right? He's not actually so horrible in real life. No. So is it fair to say that in a way, Curb Your Enthusiasm is a spinoff of Seinfeld? Um, in a way, well, also the character of George was based off of Larry David. You right. That. I mean, one of the biggest differences, though, is that George Costanza is not a comedian or a comedy writer. No. I I do kind of think of it like one of the big selling points for Kirby Enthusiasm when I started watching it was like, this is the guy that George is based off of. And some of the things that they said that George did in the show, Larry David actually did. Yes. Like there's examples of, I'm trying to think of one right now. Did they do that to satisfy the mythology of the Costanza-Larry David crossover? Or do you think they're pretty authentic parallels between the two characters? I think there's some pretty authentic parallels between the two characters for sure. And I think like the, that the incident in the in the in the curb pilot where he's got the little lump on the crotch of his pants and he's yeah. scared people are going to think it's a boner. Right. Like, I mean, that's a that's a thing every guy has experienced. But that mm-hmm. is that's very George Costanza. Yes. And they had exactly. to come up with some stuff in the pilot of Curb Your Enthusiasm mm-hmm. that would seem especially George Costanza because that's the the mold of that character that people were familiar with more so than Larry David when it came to the 1999 premiere of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right. I don't think that Curb Your Enthusiasm would have happened without Seinfeld, obviously. No. But I think it was probably more of a step in the yes direction because people knew what Larry David was trying to accomplish in Seinfeld. What, yes. You know. Well, and in spite of the absurdity of the, the comedy in Curb Your Enthusiasm, it almost feels a little bit more like it's set in the real world. Well, yeah, even it's like, it seems like it's taken with a camcorder in the first I noticed that. Like, I I wrote down exactly how I wanted to describe it because, and was this always the case, the lens that they were using on this show, or did it get more sophisticated? It got more sophisticated. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, I wrote, um, has a very cheapy comedy network hidden camera vibe, I said, and then I put in brackets, almost BBC-esque. It almost looked like... And, And it still kind of does have that. Yeah. But it's... It's a little bit more refined now, and I think they use a, like more still cameras. Well, that in like 1999 is a long time ago. Right. So that show premiered 17 years ago. Yep. And it's, I mean, it went off the air, but it never was officially canceled. No. And lately, there's been some rumors that they were going to come back for a ninth season. And in fact, last week, they confirmed that, yes, we're going to come back for a ninth season. Yeah. So that's kind of exciting. Right. And, and the last season was 2011. Let's let's compare it to Arrested Development, which is a show that was off for quite some time, and there was a lot of hype around it coming back, and it, it didn't really meet most people's expectations. Right. Are we at risk of that with this show? I don't think so, because I think they've done that in the past with Kirby Enthusiasm. Went away for a while? I think so. I think Larry, Larry David just does it when he wants to. Okay. There's just no promise of it happening regularly every year. Right. Because the first season was in... 2000 and the eighth season was in 2011 so he took a couple extra years here and there what were you going to say about the reunion episode of curb your enthusiasm so there's there's a whole season of curb your enthusiasm that has all of the entire cast of seinfeld in it but all at once yeah they want to do like throughout the season they're they're trying to do a uh i think just like a reunion episode of seinfeld okay within curb your enthusiasm right Everyone's in the show. Michael Richards, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Jerry Seinfeld. Newman. Uh, <laughs> no, I think the, the like main characters. Right, the main characters. But yes. Newman could be, and I, like, I'm not even sure. Well, if there was going to be a, an extended reunion, people would want to see that guy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. 
And so do they pull it off? Do they do like a, and all of them are in the same shot at I once kind of thing? I, yeah, but I haven't seen the season. Oh. So I have no idea. Like I've seen the last two seasons, I think. Maybe yeah. two or three seasons or maybe that Seinfeld season was like the year that I just didn't have HBO and wasn't able to like catch up on it. Because... Right, Curb Your Enthusiasm, you mean. Sorry, yeah. What does that no. mean? Wait. You said Seinfeld. Ah, damn it. Uh, I'm going to do that so many times. What does the expression curb your enthusiasm mean? I think Does curb- it mean like chill out? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, relax. Which is funny. I think it's kind of almost used ironically with Larry, Larry David. David. Yeah. Because he's not, well, I guess he is kind of enthusiastic, but he's such a curmudgeon. Yeah. Like literally, I think one of the pictures when I brought it up on, on my like computer system to play the episode, the background picture was him lying in a therapist's like like layback chair and you could just see the bottom of the therapist's legs hanging above a chair like he just <laughs> hung himself having to listen to Larry David. Right. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. I read this really interesting thing about how there are no scripts for Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes, I love that so much. That's I honestly think I want to watch Curb Your Enthusiasm from start to end because I love improvisational humor. Like yeah. I think that combined with the kind of Seinfeld-esque humor that they use and being able to go a little bit more blue the improvisational part of it is so friggin' hilarious to me so if the writers just like they draft up this really detailed outline of what's supposed to happen like yeah. the a point the b point and the c point and then they tell the actors to get there somehow yes that's pretty cool and they've gotten like better and better did you watch the last season of caribbean enthusiasm i've watched I've not very connected to that show. No, okay. I've, I've like again, I've watched like some of it, but I'd see never the, seen the pilot before yesterday. Had you seen the like um the the finale of the last season with uh Michael J. Fox? I saw the Michael J. Fox episode. Oh, it was God. so fucking funny. It's so good. Yeah. Like, if they start from where they ended on that show, it's going to be so great. Right. Like, I can't wait for it. Yeah, no, it's going to be excellent. I read a, another really interesting thing in terms of the improv of the show about how when the character of Larry lies to his wife, Cheryl, which mm-hmm. I guess he does all the time. He certainly does it in the pilot. Yeah. Um, Cheryl Hines is always out of the loop on that. Like she never really knows when Larry is lying to her. In the show. So that it'll feel authentic when she when she's actually been lied to. Right. That's kind of like a weird methody artsy fartsy trick that you kind of put in a different game than, yeah. than like silly situation comedy, but they try it and I guess it works. I and I think they're still kind of going with a Seinfeld esque plot in yes. every episode. It's always kind of a bunch of things that end up meeting up. Right. In kind of a smart way. Like yeah, I'm, and like again, maybe I'm just not versed enough in in either television show. But I, I took a bit of issue with it in the pilot of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And granted, mm-hmm. pilots are often not as good as as, as a show right. is 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 able to be. But there seemed something just very self-absorbed about the nature of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I mean, the character is supposed to be self-absorbed. That's right. fine. But but just this idea that we're doing like a, a higher brow comedy show about this very intelligent guy and how how nothing seems to go his way it's just kind of i i don't know if it's arrogant or because like the show itself the unlikeliness of the situation Mm -hmm. that he finds himself in is as ludicrous as any low rent shitty b sitcom on on tbs yeah i guess so but the the whole thing where he's at the at the restaurant at the end of the pilot 
and and uh, Richard Lewis comes in, and then the parents of Jeff Garland are there, and his wife finds out, and Kathy Griffin shows up. You're just like, yeah. okay, everything that happened in your life this week is all culminating right now in this right. restaurant. Just seems like something that would happen on sure. BET. Sure, and and. For both episodes, you know the Seinfeld ep- the Seinfeld pilot and the Curb pilot, neither of them found their stride in the first episode. They no. get a lot, lot better. Of course, I, I found the Curb episode a lot easier to watch than I thought I would. I thought it was fine. I actually found I thought the the pilot episode of Seinfeld was still really great. I thought it was yeah. a really great pilot. Yeah, it's and funny. I thought I'll... the Curb pilot wasn't that special. Right. Yeah, and I think a lot of the stand-up in the uh, Seinfeld episode kind of brought it to the like he was using he was using some home run You're right. jokes. You're right. I, I I wanted to talk to you about that. So at some point in Seinfeld, they kind of wean out the little stand-up clips. They do a bit, but they always start out the show. I think with him in front of a, an audience of people. I wonder if that's just a function of him not wanting to burn all his material on prime time. Although Jerry's always been somebody who will like he'll retell a joke that he's told to the same audience. Like he's not one of these Louis CK guys who has to start from scratch all the time. No, And that's fine. And maybe it was just like, it was, it was eating too much material to play that much stand up in the sitcom that they had to cut down on it. But that was one of the few things that made the show that gave the show some character. Yeah. Like that was not really seen elsewhere. Right. Made it different. I mean, not, and, and really it should be the chemistry of the actors and the, writing the text of the writing that makes the show different and that's yeah. all that you need to set your show apart and certainly it had those things but just in terms of like a little nuance that you don't see every day it was just a neat idea and for them to have cut down on it makes very little sense to me yeah and i don't i think they were getting some notes from the, like i think critically they were getting really great reviews yeah. but i think it took a while like it took like four or five years for audiences to really get on board. Like sure. it had a bit of a, a bit of a high cult following. Like there was a, it was a big cult following. Well, and who's to say that it hasn't really found its biggest cult since it went off the air. I mean, obviously it was a, it was a huge success and it was a ratings King towards its end. Right. But I mean, a lot of these shows become legendary after the fact. Yeah. What had to be so right for that show to hit so well? Was it just the fact that nothing like it was on at that time? Well, I mean, when you when you look at the, the mold of Seinfeld and how they went at it saying, we're going to do a show about nothing. And that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the phrase you always hear associated right. with Seinfeld. This is the show about nothing. Yeah. And I mean, I made a note about that because I also find that to be a little arrogant because it's no more about nothing than a lot of sitcoms about a group sure. of people who hang out. Sure. And it, and like I, and like the thing about the comedy already, it's not a show about nothing. It's a show about a comedian in New York. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. like to say it's a sure. show about nothing is almost never true. Right. Yeah. Like, a show about nothing would be never explaining that and like scenes of people just washing dishes and sitting down and watching TV for 10 minutes. Right. But the but the idea of it's just people sitting in a booth at a restaurant talking about the date they went on whether or not this was kind of awkward whether or not this is kind of inappropriate that is in a way a show about nothing because because the mundanity of everyday life feels like nothing until you put it on a a screen right most of the things they're saying in the show aren't leading towards something except for that artistically it's all more linked than than right. you realize yeah, you're right. the same way the stand-up bits can kind of loosely be connected to the storyline of the episode right that's true. You're right. It does have a lot more direction than they want you to think it does. 
Well, and and that's great if they can have yeah. it both ways. Yep. I think they really went to write the pilot when Jerry and Larry David were walking through a grocery store and they were picking up different items and making jokes about it. Right. Um, so I like that story a lot. How old do you think they were when they started the show? Because it seemed like they were babies. It seemed like I was watching babies yeah. on TV, watching Jerry it's, and George. It's funny. I just saw a YouTube clip the other day of Jerry Seinfeld performing on TV for the first time in 1977. Right. And he looks like... He's like 18 or something. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh. like 18 or 19, I think. And it's still Jerry. Right. And the voice is the same. And honestly, the sensibility is the same. And you're like, wow, that guy is just <laughs> funny. Never changed. Yeah. Yeah. But but you're right. I mean, they were, they were so young looking and just like... Just the the rugby shirt and the high waist jeans right. of of the their aesthetic. I mean, it, it it's a show that doesn't go. It it's not a show that that quite stands the test of time visually, aesthetically, quite like say Friends does. Right. You can watch Friends, and unless you're watching like the first two seasons, you can kind of forget that it's like 15 years old. Right. I don't know why that is, but it kind of seems to hold up aesthetically. The, the comedy of Seinfeld holds forever, I think. Right. I mean, we haven't lived forever, but it's it's held until now, and it seems to not be going anywhere. Mm -hmm. But yeah, what did you say? I think I just kind of rambled in another direction. No, I was, uh, I'm on board with that. I think instead, like, I think the the humor of Friends is pretty timeless, too. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think it's one of those shows that we're going to be laughing at. Like I said, I watched, I managed to watch a bunch of episodes a few weeks, or a few months ago, and just found myself laughing way more than I thought I would. Right. Like you see it on TV, like coming up all the time. Okay. Friends is on whatever. But when you actually put it, put it on and watch it, there's so many things that just hit you the right way. Like yeah. the writing was so great on that show. No, I know. I know. And, well, and also and it's the same with Seinfeld. Same me. with Seinfeld. And it's also just the attitude of those actors. You'd never really seen anything like, like that person on TV before. Right. Like the character of Elaine mm -hmm. or Kramer. Right. Jerry, not so much. I mean, it's funny. I remember, I don't remember, but I've seen the clip before of when Jerry Seinfeld won the Emmy for Best Actor in a Comedy Series. And he got up to the podium and he said, my name's Jerry Seinfeld and I am not a good actor. Right. Because he's not a good actor. Yeah. And he's he's basically the straight man on the show, which is a funny Yet device he's, because he's the comedian. But he's always like smiling. Well, he's always the least crazy. Right. Right. He's, yeah. he's always the voice of reason. Mm -hmm. But uh, the he surrounded himself with such fantastic actors, and in many cases, classically trained actors. And yep. in a way, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is classically trained for comedy. I mean, she was on SNL, and sure. she's considered one of the funniest women ever. And, right. And obviously, Michael Richards is is something else entirely. Yeah. So he put, he found the team of people to make him look good. Right. And it worked. Yeah. I wonder what the what the search was like for that because they do a whole season on. Seinfeld where they're trying to cast a show that's roughly how the series ends isn't it like I no mean, no that's like right in the middle like that's like two or three seasons in that that Jerry was going to get a sitcom yeah and he wanted to base it on nothing and yeah. he wanted to and they hire a Kramer character yeah there's still like four seasons after that oh, really I yeah. thought it was like towards the end no no it's so weird it's so it had the weirdest run I'd love to watch it chronologically chronologically yeah you can kind of tell when it got newer because it seemed a little bit more clear and it, the lighting changed a bit. Right. Everything was a bit cleaner. That's true. I often think about about uh, about that with Friends because that's a show that I watch a lot. And I've noticed it a little bit in rewatching that 70s show. It, it seems like the quality of lenses is going to right. to, to less uh, have, a, have a lesser effect on 
on the the lasting effect of of of, of shows. Right. I'm not good with my words tonight, but um, but you could watch like the first episode of How I Met Your Mother and the last episode of How I Met Your Mother, and nothing's gonna look that different. It's a pretty great example, actually. Yeah. That's a really great example because you're right. The quality of the picture over nine years doesn't change a whole lot. Right. Uh, the faces change a little bit, and sometimes that's that's a way you can tell. Yep. And eight, um, but eighty nine, yeah, and the hairstyles and stuff. But, right. But eighty nine to ninety nine was. A huge time, I think, for technological it's, it seemed, advances. It seemed to make a big difference, both both technologically and also just stylistically, stylistically, right. and yep. in every way, it was very different. What was your favorite Seinfeld episode ever? Do you have one? Yeah, see, I don't even know if I can if I can say. Um, I, I don't know, except for that I love I love any kind of situation where George is. Yeah, it's okay to say I, I love the one where George is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, you know, like it's I, 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 you mentioned his boss, and I didn't connect the dots with Larry David, but I, I liked his work stuff. I remember right, he's I, like I, sleeping under the desk, and I remember the whole situation where he was he was scared to get married, and then his fiance dies from licking the poisonous envelopes. <laughs> he's like happy about it. I remember thinking that was really warped when I first saw it. Yeah, sure. That was kind of edgy. Yep. Okay, so as more especially of a, as a kid, as a more of a student of the shows, then what are what are your favorites? I think I think my favorite episode is one that I've only really seen once, and it was uh, and I don't know why I've only caught it on TV once before, but it was an episode that takes place in India. They go to India for a wedding. <laughs> okay, but the whole thing's in reverse, so it's a very like Tarantino style, like everything happens. You you see like the last part of the show first and everyone's just pissed at this wedding. Yeah. And then it works backwards from why they're, why they're all pissed. It was definitely the most like experimental Seinfeld episode. Okay. I just liked it. It was so How weird. do you mean it was backwards? Say that to me again. It was like in reverse order. Like it starts at the end. You mean like, like memento? A little bit. Okay. So the, the first scene in the show is them all being pissed off at a wedding. And you're like, why are they all angry at this wedding in India? Okay. And then it explains it. That's the thing that you, that's a bit of a trope that's maybe been adopted from maybe that episode. Maybe they were the first to invent that, invent that but sometimes. I don't think they were, but I, I I like it because it was so different from what Seinfeld was doing too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess structurally it's a little bit different. Yeah, totally. This has nothing to do with anything, but you just reminded me when you said the word backwards. Um, and we were, I mentioned that I've been watching that 70s show. So in the 60s Adam West Batman TV series, yep. <laughs> there's this really fun cinematographical uh, nuance to the show where every time they went into one of the villain's lairs, which was in every episode, mm -hmm. it was always shot on an angle. Okay. So whenever they were in um, a good guy's area, vis-a-vis -vis the, the Batcave or Commissioner Gordon's office or uh, Bruce Wayne's study, it was always straight on on the room and you would see a wall in the background. Okay. But in the villain's lair, it always was a camera angle looking slightly down on the room, just slightly down so that you could see the floor okay. and you could see a crease where the walls met rather okay. than a wall along the back. So like quite literally this room is crooked because it's where the crooked people hang right. out. And so I noticed this funny thing when I was watching that 70s show uh, last week, I watched this rerun. They're all reruns. It was episode um, where, where Fez has moved into an apartment building where Jim Rash is the landlord. Okay. And Jim Rash is a reoccurring character in that 70s show where he, he plays this guy named Fenton, who's very effeminate and, and eccentric and right. flamboyant and strange, kind of like he often plays. Sure. And, uh, he and, Fez hate each other 
And so he's kind of considered the villain. And they show inside Fenton's apartment and it is garish with all of these like gold statues and the (laughs) walls are purple and it's cheap, much like the villain's lair in in the 60s Batman series. So they were like trying to go for it. And it was shot on an angle. And I was like, oh, you guys are fucking geniuses. That's really awesome. I I, I, like leapt up and I screamed and Becky thought I was such a nerd for knowing knowing all of that and then picking up on it. Yeah, that's (laughs) great. Because of the millions of people who've seen that episode, very few people picked up on that. that. Very few people got that much enjoyment that you got because you know about the shows. That's awesome. But it was worth it it to the makers who did that. Right, totally. They were just having a fun time recording that episode right w- wilmer valderrama gonna be a season a season regular on ncis your did favorite you, did you know that <laughs> and now i told jen that and jen was deeply upset i was like why what's wrong with she, wilmer she loves valderrama. ncis but she hates wilmer valderrama because he's a bit of a skis i don't know maybe is he a skis yeah he's considered one of the greatest howard stern guests like of a generation what uh, you should listen to it. It's interesting. Oh, God. Because it was, I don't know, like, where in the run of that series he went on the show, but it was probably towards the end of the 70s show, if not a year or two after it ended. Okay. But he came in, and Howard always asks, you know, who are you fucking, who are you sleeping <laughs> with? Right. And they always say, they always beat around the bush. Right. Like, you're, you're, not supposed to, you're not supposed to have stuff you won't talk about on Howard Stern. Right. Or at least... There's he he rejects any clause that says don't ask them about this. Sure, but they don't have to tell him anything. Right, and uh, so Howard pulled out a list of I don't know where he found it, but uh, like all of these rumored relationships that Wilder Vamarama had had celebrity hookups, and he confirmed all of them. <laughs> really, and, and like like it's a little bit um, outdated now. Sure, but hot ladies like like really? mandy moore and jessica alba and wow. like like it, you won't and believe just like yeah it just keeps yes. going on and on and on and like it was known that he dated Lindsay, but like then howard would ask about like their vaginas and <laughs> he would tell them <laughs> what and so like it's just it, it there's nothing he won't answer so so he does seem an awful lot like a frat guy who was just like telling the conquest story to get the guys to like him right and that's skeezy right sure what what was the rest of the interview like? Was he an interesting guest otherwise? They just talked it, about sex the whole time. So that's the main reason he's one of the best. But that's why he's ever. considered one of the best is because he answered every question. He never nice. deflected. What other guests are considered like top top three? Well, just guests of interesting people. And usually when Howard's really excited to interview somebody, he really goes the extra mile in mm-hmm. like learning about them. And that's saying something because he's like he's very astute and learns his shit about everybody. But like, I mean, McCartney was really awesome. Yeah. And, um, also just because you can tell when Howard's really excited, Billy Joel, actually, that's, that's probably the best answer. Really? They did what they call a town hall where they have like a small audience and, um, the guest is expected to play a bunch of songs right. amidst the interview. Okay. And Howard will say like, play Down Easter Alexa. And then Billy will play Down Easter Alexa. Sure. So it's like a three hour interview and it's incredible radio. Nice. Um, so are you someone that tunes into, cause I don't listen to Stern that often. But just out of curiosity, before we get back into the shows, sure. When you listen to Howard Stern, are, do you also hear like the Tiny Penis Olympics and like all his oh, yeah, yeah, gags yeah. that he does? Yeah, like there's a thing that's like real. In the last six months, it's gone on for too long now, and they can drop it. But they they have a, a writer and a and a producer on the show named JD, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I guess he's they they love him. I'm not. He seems like such a fucking idiot, and to an extent, he's playing a character 
really well, but also like he's an idiot. Um, and it came up on the show before Christmas that he's never washed his sheets <laughs> and they've just never let it go uh, for, okay. for like all this time. And like guests will come in. Brian Cranston like gave him a really hard time for really? never washing his sheets. Oh, and, like, wow. Like, you have a girlfriend. Like, do you respect her at all? Right. <laughs> Wow. And, and it, so they, they have they take stuff and they run with it, but right. like it's it's almost hard to get into Stern because of all the inside jokes. Well, that's what I mean. Like like I try to follow him on Instagram. I don't know why. The only the only time that I'm interested in seeing anything that they're posting is like Jake Gyllenhaal's on the couch with us today. Or they're saying who is actually in the studio. Yes. I, I don't care about flat Ronnie and all, I have no idea what that is flat but. it's it's Ronnie Ronnie is Howard's limo driver okay he's a character on the show and his his character on the show is that he's like a gross old man who will say the grossest sex stuff you can imagine okay. but he's also authentically Howard's limo driver who's employed by Howard Stern really and um they just had a bunch of these cardboard cutouts of Ronnie the limo driver made up but only a limited amount and so like if you get one yeah. Um, that's like quite an honor. Oh, that wow. You, that you got one. So, so how like, do you get one? Uh, well, I mean, like celebrities will get them. Like he gave one to Whitney Cummings because Whitney Cummings? Yeah. Well, that's her name. No, I don't think it was Whitney Cummings, though. I know that it appeared on the show Undateable because Undateable was going to do uh, a live episode. You know, right. I remember how 30 yep. Rock used to do live episodes. Undateable did one, too. Yeah. I think and they might have done a couple. Who's the female comedian in, in that show? It's not Natasha Leggero, is it? Maybe. Anyway, somebody somebody from that show got a Flat Ronnie and they put it in the show. Really? So like that was really exciting because they actually put Flat Ronnie on a like a, a primetime network sitcom. Right. Um, so they, they try and find different ways that they can make him appear. Right. That's the idea is that if you're going to get one, if you're going to be honored with a Flat Ronnie, you have then a responsibility to make sure that it, it's used to promote Flat Ronnie. Right. Okay. Like another thing that, that is similar to that is like, do you watch golf? Uh, so like whenever oh, Baba Booey, yeah, yeah. So like people will shout Baba Booey when somebody's taking a shot, and they make compilations of them and they right. play those on the air. But that's okay. that is absolutely a Howard Stern reference. And really, you can you can hear Baba Booey not just in sports, but like anytime some some blue collar Joe has a chance to be on television, he shouts Baba Booey right. for the Wh- chance to be on. And Howard Baba Booey's a character, isn't it? Baba Booey is the nickname of Gary Delabate, who is the executive producer of the show. Right. And Gary takes maybe more crap on the show than anybody. Right. Uh, but he's brilliant at his job. Okay. Um, and he's he's an incredible producer, and he knows everything about Sternthology. And he's and, in a bunch of parts in Private Parts. Yeah, he's, right? he's, in, he's in the movie. I mean, they're all in the movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's he's the runner of that show. Right. And that's his nickname is Baba Booey. And, gotcha. But... It also just is a thing you exclaim in reference to the Howard Stern show. Right. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I, I That was actually a really important lesson that I just got. There you go. I rem- remember a lot of these things. You've been schooled. Jerry Seinfeld, mm-hmm. phenomenal interview on Howard Stern. Really? Yes. And one that's, I'm pretty sure, still on YouTube, so I would I would recommend. What made it so good? And has Larry David been on? Larry David's been on. He's pretty good. Okay, cool. He's pretty good. Uh, Jerry's only done it once. And I think what made it really good is that he doesn't kiss Howard's ass at all, which happens a little bit. Right. I mean, I would do it. Sure. Um, but but Jerry is just so academic about comedy. And he's so confident. He's very confident. Yeah. Yeah. Where was I hearing somebody talk about Jerry Seinfeld's cockiness recently? Well, it might have been on one of our podcasts because I brought it up. How I find it a little hard to take sometimes in comedians and cars getting coffee. How yeah. he'll... he'll 
kind of bring up like I don't know when it's been brought up, but he's like number one show. Come on, I right. mean like six seasons running. Yeah, like he's also I'm a just professional. he's just cocky about the the art of comedy and like what he knows to be true about right. it. So like if if you're like kind of an insecure person, yeah, as are many stand up comedians, he doesn't have any time for that. Right, like why you're you're a human just do it just do it and so like howard would ask him because howard's very fascinated in stand-up comedy yeah he loves that art form and he's so neurotic he's so on the other side so neurotic so he'll like one thing that howard's never been able to get through is fucking thick skull and every comedian tells him the same thing the thing howard always wants to talk about is how do you remember your set how do you (laughs) how do you memorize your and every comedian is like that's not the hardest it. thing I do. <laughs> yeah. like, that's not that's not really the the trick. Oh, that's um, and and Jerry like thought that was the stupidest question, right. and like so like he really dismissed it. He really did, but he like he gives great answers, and and he talks a little bit about Larry David. Like like Howard is always trying to impose um, competitiveness sure, on and conflict on, and... on yeah conflict. Like when like he had uh, James Corden on the show a couple of weeks ago, and and he brought up how. Stephen Colbert's ratings are are really suffering, and and the rumor is you're going to get to take over the Late Show a lot sooner right. than you otherwise would have. Right. And the thing to do in in the in the place of James Corden or say Seth Meyers or Jimmy Fallon five years ago right. is to say no, no, he's great. You don't understand. He's right. doing great, and I I love where I am. Yeah. And so James Corden handled that like a pro, but. I mean, the facts are Stephen Colbert's show is madly suffering. I read today that it's got an all-time low in the ratings. It's just too bad because it's actually starting to get better. Yeah. Um, but but Howard brought up how um, he suspects that Craig left late night TV, Craig um, Ferguson, mm-hmm. because he felt entitled to David Letterman's show and they didn't and give it to him. didn't get it. And if you followed late night TV at all, mm-hmm. as Howard definitely did, Craig could not have been more clear about how much he didn't want to do right. 11.30. Yeah. So... Howard just said that to try and create conflict. He's baiting him, yeah. So, so he baited Jerry in the same way when talking about those early days in the in the inception of of Seinfeld, and said, "Do you think Larry David was jealous that you got to be the star of of the thing you created together, and that's why he did curb your enthusiasm?" And 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 Jerry said, matter of factly, no, because he was not comfortable being a performer then. Right. Watching Larry Sein or watching Larry Seinfeld, <laughs> watching Larry David do stand up back in the day was was very difficult because even though he was a great writer and had a great comedic mind, he was too sensitive and. And he he didn't know how to he didn't know how to roll with the dogs right. on on stage. It wasn't his thing, and so being an actor at the time wasn't really his aspirations either. Sure. And so I guess he found that later, once he had success as an executive producer and and was a multimillionaire time and time over, he was like, yeah, I could try this acting thing. I'm just playing myself. Right. Yeah. And maybe when they came up with the idea of Curb Your Enthusiasm in his head, he was just going, I'll do this for one year, mm-hmm. and if I like it, I'll do it for another year. And right. here we are, 16 years later. Yeah. Exactly. I think the Seinfeld pilot was good. I think the Curb pilot was just as enjoyable, really. Like, to me, it was obviously not as polished as it gets down the road, and some of the improv really picks up. And you have to forgive that, because it's a pilot. Totally. Yeah. I am very happy that Julia Louis-Dreyfus ended up getting on Seinfeld. Do you watch Veep? No, I don't. I don't watch it either. I like, I mean, I like Tony Hale. Yeah. Um, There's a funny story about how apparently um, he was in... 
he was in a scene in Seinfeld at some point, I think, or she was in a scene in Arrested Development. Yes, she she was in Arrested Development. They had so. a scene together, yeah. and they didn't remember that. Neither of them remembered it. How okay. Tony Hale didn't remember doing a scene with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, I don't right. understand, but artists, I don't know. Sure. Um, obviously, they have incredible chemistry, and they win all the Emmys. What did you think of the highly controversial series finale of Seinfeld? Well, again, I was kind of removed from it. I remember people really not liking it, like mm-hmm. people, which... I don't know why they, uh, you know, it's, they just had to cut it off so quick. Yeah. There's no way to tie up a show about nothing. Well, (laughs) and I mean, like, okay, to give context, basically they all get arrested for a a number of the horrible self-absorbed things that they did throughout the series. Right. And the series ends with them in jail, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So They're all in jail together and they... It ends with Jerry repeating the first joke from the first show right. to George. Right. Like that button, the second button down. It's a no man's land. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it would have been a greater disservice to the nature of Seinfeld to have it have like a warm and fuzzy ending. Yeah. How are you going to end that show? You're not like the, like, like the way Friends ends, like where they move out and they all cry. And like, right. that was very perfect for the show because it was a show that had a lot of heart. Totally. I mean, there was heart in Seinfeld, but it kind of made an effort not to be too emotional. It should have, like, really, the only way they could have done more nothing was all of them just like walking into the room and sitting down to watch TV. That would have been That's good. probably like like the B ending. That would have been sweet. Sure. Yeah. But like not nothing like really like no one's crying, no one's hugging or anything. Hey, what's going on? Nothing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, this is on TV. Want to watch it? Sure. I mean, I'm a bit of a sucker for like a really like sweet series finale, like a really emotional one. Right. But I also I I I don't like when people deviate from what they are. Right. I need people to know what they are. Sure. And they had some pretty outlandish episodes of Seinfeld too. Yeah. Where it's not inconceivable for one of them to end up in jail no. and be dealing with the things in jail. That, right. You know. I noticed in the pilot episode, Jerry uh, references that that Kramer has not been outside in, a, in, 10, in years. 10 years. Yeah, that soon goes out the window. Because like, I know he leaves the apartment. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was funny, too. I, I meant to bring that up earlier. But he was in a robe when, when he said it, and it just kind of seemed like a funny thing to make you more curious about this character. Right. Yeah. And his hair also wasn't as crazy. Oh, that's was, so like, true. It was kind of down. He definitely went yeah. more nuts. And the apartment seemed really like dirty, or the, maybe the lighting was just really weird. It also wasn't as populated with stuff. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that apartments in sitcoms are very cluttered? Like yeah, you, I think you'd so. never like it, my apartment right here. I I have some clutter. I have like stuff stacked on top of other stuff, but like it would not be a colorful, interesting enough background for a sitcom. Set. Right. But there's there's also kind of a change in dynamic. Like, you think of your grandparents' place, and none of them are like, like basically all of our grandparents seem like hoarders. That's yeah. the way all of their places are designed. There's extra cabinets with extra things in them and True. extra pictures up on the wall. And the way people live now, like the way your apartment is, the way my apartment is, there's like nothing there. You don't need all this shit. True. True, but I mean, later in Seinfeld, it does become quite cluttered. It just wasn't in the pilot, right? Like even like the fridge didn't have a Superman magnet on it, right? Like none none of it was there. Although they say Superman is present in every episode to some capacity, isn't he? I I don't know. I yeah. honestly don't know that. I, I know it's kind of part of the lore, yeah. But I've never went through and tried to find him in every episode. Speaking of Superman, mm-hmm. but more directly speaking of Batman, okay. segues. 
Did you see who was on the Halifax boardwalk yesterday? Yeah, someone said Ben Affleck was there. I saw. I think I saw you posted on the station. Yeah, yeah. So like, here's the thing. I haven't um, in the last eight nights. I calculated this today. In the last eight nights, I've slept less than twenty four hours. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm just going through some weird sleep thing. So the last two shows I've done on, on live radio, I've been like very self-conscious that I'm not going to pull it together and it's not going to be good. Right. Um, cause I'm like having a really hard time staying focused and like, you'll probably even sense it in this podcast. I'm like kind of spaced out and no, not at all. Not forming my sentences very clearly, but, um, like right now I've lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh yes. Okay. Okay. So, um, so I told myself today that a, a good psychological way of like, being on my best behavior on the radio today in spite of how I felt um, physically was Ben Affleck might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want to sound your best for Ben Affleck. Sure. And I think on some level that I kept that in the back of my mind for four hours, right. the show was actually okay today. Nice. Yeah. Why is he around? Uh, we, we well, know? nobody knows. That's what's so weird about it. Was I telling you about how there was a, apparently there's a pretty famous Buddhist monk that lives up in Cape Breton. Okay. Um, and this sounds familiar. You he, may have said this. And he went to Cape Breton and no one knew why, but there was talk about him going to see this Buddhist monk. Ben and Affleck. That, yeah. Well, he was in Shetta camp a, a year ago. Right. April. Yeah. And he was just, he was, he's, there's, um, security camera footage from a convenience store. And of the guy behind the counter says, this is Ben. And he says, Ben Affleck. And then Ben Affleck like pulls up his hat. Like he was clearly hiding, but he shakes right. hands and yeah. Oh, that's cool. They go on with their lives or whatever. But it's it's weird that he's back. So the Buddhist monk thing, I don't think was that open until someone mentioned Seth uh, Seth Godin, who's kind of a big marketing guy, was on a podcast and he was talking about how his like one of his idols is a Buddhist monk that lives up in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. Okay. And I thought that's definitely where Ben Affleck was. Well, he must he must be making annual visits to this guy then. Maybe. Maybe. Well, I mean, is it's it... it's kind of disappointing that he's not here scouting a movie location. Yeah. Because that's more would interesting. He be the, well, maybe he would be the one to do that, like if he was directing another sure. movie. Sure. I read this week that he is still working on the Batman script. Really? Well, what we had said previously, this was when Batman v Superman came out in theaters, and everybody kind of agreed that even though it wasn't a very good movie, he was a good part of the bad movie. Right. Um, and people trust him as both a screenwriter and a director. Yeah. He's won Academy Awards for those things. Um, well, not for directing, but for Best Picture, uh, a movie he directed. People wanted to see what it would be like if he were to actually be at the helm instead of Zack Snyder. And he said, well, I have written a Batman screenplay. And so he's either he's either taking that and fine-tuning it or he's starting from scratch because he's been given the green light to right. direct the Batman standalone movie in this universe. As him as the star. Yeah, he's going to star in it, direct it, and write it. Right. Wow. He's a triple threat. Yeah. I love Ben Affleck. Sure. There's Some people a, don't. Is he still with Jennifer Garner? No. no. No? They they for sure called it quits. Yeah, quite a while ago, I think. Uh, maybe he's got a lady here. Maybe that's it. Wouldn't that be crazy? Maybe it is... Um, Ellen Page. Maybe. <laughs> it's probably not Ellen Page. Probably not Ellen Page. I don't think it's Ellen Page. Funny you mention Ellen Page, though. I was thinking about her today because if, if a big rock star comes to Nova Scotia or New Brunswick, people don't really think twice about it. They spend mm-hmm. the money to go to the concert... But it doesn't really occur to people that that person is for He's 24 hours in. in our city. Right. But to hear that... So Paul McCartney waved at my sister driving down the street, gave her a little peace sign. That's pretty cool. My sister cried, I think. Wow. I would too. She That's started exciting. like jumping. It's like, oh my God, Paul, Paul. That's and really cool. Like a, Hello. Side story. Uh, yeah. my, my good friend's um, aunt 
it works at a salon or she used to work at a salon. Mm-hmm. She got a call one morning asking if she could do acrylic fingernails. And she said yes. And a limo came. She got in the limo. It took her to the Lord Nelson. And she <sighs> found herself in Paul McCartney's suite putting on an acrylic nail so he could play bass that night. Really? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that so fucking crazy? She says, it's the craziest day of my life. She says, it's like, if I didn't have photographic proof that it happened, there's no way I could believe. Did she take a picture with him and stuff? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Oh, man, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, well, and like she was instructed by security, do not ask him for any pictures or autographs. Right. And she did anyway. Oh, sure. And he was really cool. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, before leaving, like, can I get a picture with you? Come on. I would definitely do it. I think he also tipped her like a thousand dollars or something. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, and he finds somebody in every city to do that. That's so cool. Right. Yeah. Um, I was going to say contributing to the economy. The it, it, people find out that that Ben Affleck, just a movie star, is in Halifax, and suddenly everybody's freaking out. They can't. Oh my god! I got to go down to the waterfront. Maybe I'll get to get a glimpse of Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. And that's so fucking uncool. That's like I that's got to make a guy like Ben Affleck think like. Halifax is lame. I remember when Ellen Page first went on David Letterman. It might have been to promote Juno or Hard Candy or one of those first movies she did. And this was back when the only thing that was interesting about Ellen Page was that she was from Halifax, Nova Scotia, which nobody's from. Mm -hmm. So Letterman asked her like very sweet questions about Halifax. And he says, oh, I hear it's very beautiful up there. I would love to go to Halifax. Just conversationally, he said that sweetly. And the next day, there are internet campaigns trying to get Letterman to, Uh, Dave, please come to Halifax. And I was just like, you fucking idiots. You look so corny. He's not going to come to Halifax. I know. It's honestly like I, my first instinct seeing someone famous Unless I am 100% sure that they are going to react in a nice way. Like, if I saw Ben Affleck, I would not say hi. Really? Because, no, because what What does he, he, he gets that 100 times a day. And what's he going to gain out of someone else saying hi to him? I don't know. I like What sort I, of appreciation is he going like to feel? I like to think that if I was... if I was in line at Steve Arenos... Sure. And he was at the counter... And he was just waiting to pick mm-hmm. up his... I could just lean over with my hand, shake it, and go, Hey, man, I really love Goodwill Hunting. Great right. job. Thanks so much for everything you do. And really? then And then if like if that's all I said, I have to think... If I didn't ask him for a picture, a selfie, yeah. or an autograph, I have to think he'd go, Thank you so much. And like like even though that happens to him all the time... Yeah. In his heart, he would still like like... I don't know. I think I... I think, think he'd be that cold? I think you're romanticizing it a little bit. Like, he's had... 20 years of that happening. I hope he would be grateful, but he might not be. You know what my line to him would be? Like if I was standing next to him at Steve Arenos putting a like sugar in my coffee or something or sweetener. Okay. It'd be socks win yesterday. Something to like. Oh, fuck you. Something that to is like. so fucking good. Something. Yeah. Ugh. It's just enough to like acknowledge that like I respect him. I know he's a he's a, a mm. Red Sox fan, and and he'd probably be like, yeah, man, like they you know they won by two runs or something. I was like, yeah, that yeah, was a good game. Yeah. And then I'd take off, and I would always have that story, and he wouldn't be pissed because he'd be like, oh, cool, this guy's just a Boston fan, maybe, or maybe it's brutal for him too, but. At, no, least, I, I, I at think, least it's not overwhelming. I think it's that's personal, like, but for me to not draw a lot of attention to the situation and just to thank him for what he's contributed to the world of art yeah. is, is 
there's no way he would still be making art if he didn't care about what people thought of his art. That's true. And I'm not. I'm people, not. People people want that recognition. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't. I don't. I don't think that most of these people have gotten completely cold about that. And again, if I'm not asking something of him and I'm not making a big thing out of it, he almost owes it to me to let me fucking thank him. Yeah. Sure. Because I mean, if if someone's yeah, I agree. I'm just saying from the other side, I don't think that they're like, you know, I don't think it's wrong of you to shake someone's hand who you admire. Yeah. I think that's fine. Yep. But I just think actors could sometimes be, especially like artistic people, I'd be like, okay, well, it's just my, like, it's just my art. They might not be nice about it. Okay. But that they're douchebags. And I guess I should know that about them. Right. right? But and- there's a lot of. A lot of actors that are probably douchebags. Martin Sheen told a really funny story on a talk show once about how he was in line at the airport. He was just like waiting to board. And the guy uh, turned around, the guy in front of him turned around and said, what's the matter, Air Force One in the shop? (laughs) 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 I've never heard that story. And like he loved it. Like he he told it like this guy had the line. (laughs) Air Force One in the shop. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah. And there's like, there, you know, there's people who like are on, who run podcasts that I think, you know, you, you find one of those keywords that you can say to them. It's like an on running joke. And right. they're like, that's fine. And you say it in passing and you don't try to stop them and like have a huge conversation with them unless they reciprocate. Well, and Louis CK has talked about that before, about how when people ask him for a picture, he'll say, you know, I'm not very comfortable taking a picture, but then he'll like, he'll ask them about themselves. Like right. he'll be, he'll say like, but uh, you know, what are you shopping for you today? Yeah. And like, so like, that's his way of like knowing that a connection with this person is going to be important to them. Yeah. But he doesn't want to be a commodity that you use for a display picture. Sure. And so that's the difference. Yeah. And so I totally respect that. But I'm, I'm sure to that end, there are also people who just hear, no, I'm not going to take a picture, and then they go, fine, fuck you, you're an asshole. Right. And then they yeah. go and tell everybody that Louis C.K. is an asshole. Yeah. Right? Yep. Oh, that definitely happens, too. But and he then- also, he wants to know that about that person. Yeah. The same way I want to know if Ben Affleck is going to reject my handshake yeah. and, and thanks for goodwill hunting. Yeah. I wonder if he would. He seems like a nice enough guy. Good Boston guy. Let's ask Jennifer Garner. <laughs> and then ask Matt Damon just to balance it well, out. Well, Matt Damon will give us... A, we know what Matt Damon will say. What will he say? He loves Ben Affleck. He's going oh, okay. to be... <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, just the way you said that, I was like, whoa. What? Do, do I you hear that they had a falling here? out? Yeah, we know what he'll say. That would be the most devastating Hollywood breakup, I think. You're right. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, if they like publicly were not talking. Bathia. Bathia has <laughs> finally broken up. It comes up on Reddit every now and then. It's a pretty routine Ask Reddit question. People who have had an encounter with a celebrity... What were they really like? Right. And, and it's pretty much the same people over and over again. Like Vince Vaughn is a real scumbag. Yeah. Kevin James is a real scumbag. Really? Demi Lovato is a real scumbag. <laughs> That's the story about <laughs> the Demi Lovato scumbags. is that she plays this this whole, I was bullied in high school and I overcame card. But apparently mm-hmm. she was like the Regina George of her high school. Oh, interesting. That's that's pretty much everybody's. Who's the person that you would want to meet like more than anyone else? I mean, it's it would have to imagine Tom Hanks would be cool. Yeah, that would be great. And he, he'd be, he would be cool about it. Well, especially if it was in a context yeah. where, where like, where I was definitely allowed to talk to him. Like, say, say he was coming into the radio station for an interview. Oh, sure. And I have to talk to him. Yeah. He would be spectacular. Yes. Under um, any situation, he would be able to make that work. And then, like, you know, you're walking in, in New York City. There might be a code about being cool around people. But, like, if you see Jimmy Fallon and you're going to walk past him on the sidewalk, he'll high-five you. Right. Yeah. Right. Sure. 
And, and there's people, yeah, you kind of need to read the room. Depends yeah. who, who it is. I don't know who the person that I would want to meet most. Would it be like an athlete or a musician? Uh, no, I don't think it would be either. I think it'd be someone that I... Because like if I see Joel Plaskett in public in Halifax, I still... I'm like, hey, Joel, you know, nice oh, yeah? to see you. Yeah. Nice. I mean, now, and, he, and he's, he would be cool with that. But 100%. now, like, he, he knows who I am. Right. So, so it's like a little different. But, like, right. there was a time before when I was, when I used to say, like, I really care a lot about your music. Oh, that's and awesome. He, and that meant something to him. Sure. Or he was just very patient about it. No, he, I, th- I think he's in a level where, you know, he's not being recognized all the time. Well, maybe in Halifax. I, I, in Halifax, I bet, you know, a couple of times a week, like coffee counter people are saying, you know, hi, Joel, sure. at least. Yeah. He's so good natured anyway. Well, that's true. No, I think it would probably have to be someone, it'd have to be someone who I liked because they were really funny. Yeah. Like an athlete, I would almost expect them to be a dick. But if I saw like Seth Rogen or something. Seth would... Rogen is somebody who... You'd almost kind of think maybe he is an asshole in real life, but yeah. the stories seem to indicate that no, he's not. Same with Jonah Hill. Like everybody, like a lot of people are kind of of the mind that Jonah Hill's probably a real dickbag. Well, from from a lot of the interviews and stuff that you read, he talked about that on Howard though. That yeah. it's it's not so much a lot of the interviews. It's one Rolling Stone interview. Right. Well, it turned to two. Did it? Yeah. It was one that happened the first time around that. He, I remember him saying in the second interview, he's like, oh yeah, you kind of made me look last time like I was just Seth Rogen's little butt buddy. Yes. And then they totally took that one. Like he was giving him like death stares and like freaking out. Well, and Jonas said something on, on Howard about how the, the interviewer didn't even know his name. And I found that, I found that hard to believe. Right. Like, I think maybe you're overcorrecting. But then I heard him on like time crisis with Ezra Koenig, you know, that, yep. that show I was telling you about, um, and he was, you know, super funny and just he's like a really good on, on talk shows and stuff. Yeah. I think he's just really good at damage control. I think he can have his moments. I think for the most part, he's probably a good guy. Yeah. But he can have his cranky moments and, and they happen at the wrong times, but he's pretty good at cleaning them up. Right. Yeah. But like Vince Vaughn, if you ask to take a picture with Vince Vaughn, he'll ask if he can punch you in the face. Actually? Yeah. That's, that's the story. That's the story on Reddit? Yeah. yeah. Whoa. I need to see some of these Reddit stories about people. Reddit and Howard Stern. That's your homework. That is my homework. I know. I my homework for like every week is to listen to more Howard Stern, and I never do. It's not. A, it's not for everybody. It's no, probably, but I, I really like it. Well, every time I've listened to it, it is it's the great. it's the best radio show of all time. Did you listen to Mark Maron with uh, Neil Young? Yeah, it's pretty good. It was really good. It was cool because like in the second half, like I always really like when Mark is a little nervous. Yeah, it's really sweet. Right. Um, but in the second half, Neil really kind of relaxed a little bit yeah. and then mark told that story at the end of the podcast about how neil went somewhere else later on that day and, and talked about how uh the podcast i did in someone's garage today was cool because the guy just wanted to have a conversation right and that was really exciting for mark yeah you could you could almost see exactly when neil young relaxed yeah and i, I thought that was cool yeah and i really want to hear this pono system that he's got he promoted that on fallon a little while ago yeah it's just a speaker I know. No one's buying it, but I'd really love to hear it. Yeah. And just see really what the difference is. All right. Have we milked it? I think we did. I think we did the show. I'm going to try and get some sleep, man. Yeah. I, I looked fuck. up your I looked up your um, take a cold shower. It'll cool your body thing. Yeah. Doctors say don't do that. Okay. That, that actually having a hot bath will make your body cool faster and that'll relax you. Oh, interesting. Afterward. Okay. And how, can you make your room like a cave? They recommend that like... 
super super dark like no light no i don't like any light so do you wear a sleep mask at all have you ever tried that no and i've like i've tried i've tried melatonin there Mm -hmm. are these little pills you can get over the counter called nitol Mm -hmm. and i tried taking them last time uh when i used to work on afternoon radio before i did mornings i'm on afternoons again but uh I tried taking Nitol when I had a little bout of insomnia back then. And what I found was that not only do they not put me to sleep, they make me kind of fucked up. Like just drowsy the next day. Well, no, in the moment, like I can feel oh. them kick in. Like they almost give me like a, like a bit of a weird high. Like, oh, because weird. they're, you know how in the Wolf of Wall Street, they, um, they take quaaludes. Yeah. And the, the idea is that it's a sleeping pill, but if you can fight the sleep, you'll get a high from it. Right. My body's fighting the sleep. Right. So it's like, I'm not doing it on purpose, so but my brain is like, it. you just took a sleeping pill. You're not going to sleep though. Right. And so it's, it's, it's not a quaalude, but it's like, it's like a much smaller version of that. And so I got up last night at about two thirty. I hadn't fallen asleep yet. Uh-huh. And I, I went looking for a gravel and, right. and I couldn't find any. And I found a nitol which was right. kicking around from two years ago. Sure. And I took it. You snorted it as you do. Right. I crushed it up and I, uh, I burned it onto a spoon. Of course. No, <laughs> I took it and I felt it kick in and I felt myself go a little crazy. Wow. And I was able to like say to myself, this is just, but like, I remember before, like I would like, it, I would be like, ah, the crows, there are no crows. Wow. <laughs> but, really? like, I would just be like really upset about stuff. Yeah. Wow. This is the other thing is that like in, in your, in your effort to fall asleep, you don't ever achieve REM sleep when you have insomnia, but you do go semi-unconscious occasionally. Right. Just enough to be a little crazy. Right. Just so that like when you wake up, you'll panic about stuff that isn't real oh, or wow. you'll get angrier what? than you would. And it's really, it's really disturbing. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. You're like the machinist. Well, this is why I can get up and I can seem okay throughout the day. Cause mm-hmm. like, at least I have my regular brain again. Right. You know, it sounds very dramatic. Wow. Well, I hope you, uh, I hope that gets better for you. Thanks, man. Is this the worst bout you've had? Since high school. Really? Yeah. High school is bad. I had a really bad one in high school, yeah. Right. I, I think I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, I got sent home. Ugh. Yeah. You got sent home? Yeah, I got sent home. Because why? Because what? I was just a mess. I was like, I think like, I think like if the teachers didn't know me better, they would have thought he's super drunk. Really? In class, yeah. Whoa. And like, I think I had enough friends who were like, authentically like vouching for me like he's not drunk he just he needs right. you should send him home yeah. i think that's what he happened doesn't get good sleep. yeah wow well i hope that happens for you tonight I, I hope i i hope i send myself home by falling asleep so again i'm someone who if i have like four beer i'd be able to fall asleep like like completely just conk out if right. you drank like an entire bottle of something not that i'm suggesting that but i'm just curious does your body still want to keep you up yeah it tends to fight it Whoa. Yeah, and then I would just be, I'd just feel kind of crazy. And you'd just be drunk. I can't say that wouldn't happen, but right. that's also not a good way to catch up on my rest. No, not at all. Um, like, uh, the other thing is, like, some people will suggest, like, why don't you try smoking weed? I don't like doing that. Right. <laughs> so it's not, just, not, that's not what I'm going to start doing just for, just right. so I can fall asleep. There has to be a better way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it sucks because it's, like, a basic human right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Have you ever tried, like, playing a golf game in your mind? That's interesting. I've never heard it like described that way. I've, I've I've done like different things, like you try to create mantras or you try and count to a hundred as slowly as possible. Mm-hmm. That I do. Yeah, I uh, count to a hundred every night. Do you? When I'm falling asleep. Yep. I can't do it because no. around thirteen, I'll start thinking about something else. 
Oh, actually, so you just can't follow through to. I can't. 100. No, I, I, I probably have some kind of some kind of version of ADD or something that, oh. like, I, I shouldn't say that because people have real problems. But like, I, there's something I, I can't, I can't oh, settle down long enough to like, to calm myself with one thing. Mm. And it's weird because like, I don't really have anything that's like that's fucking with Very me right pressing. now. No. Yeah. Yeah, I count my breaths to 100, and usually I don't get to 100 before I fall asleep. That's really awesome. I'm, so, I'm sorry about no, telling you. That's okay. No, that's great. My that's, sleeps. That's good. No, I, I, it's funny because there's some people who just have never really experienced it. And well, you got all my sympathy. Thanks, buddy. I hope everyone enjoyed the show today. Sweets actually just fell asleep on the couch. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna be very quiet, and I'm gonna try to figure out how to turn off the recording program, which I don't know how to work at all. And I'm gonna take his cat just as a practice joke so thanks everyone for listening curb your enthusiasm is a funny show and so is seinfeld slaney out i've always wanted to say that slaney out guys ah.